turn to Joshua, and you will obviously need a Bible. You need one every week, but turn to Joshua. Uh, it's the sixth book in the Bible, and um, uh, I say this every week, but I mean it every week. You're, you, the purpose of having that Bible is so that you can share this with somebody else. I don't care that you go back out of here and you say, oh, I remember Dave said this or Dave said that. But I want you to go back out and look at the back at the Bible and say, oh, or allow God the opportunity to show you something in his word that was really cool that is not that that's already there. I mean, not don't put anything there, but something in there that's a revelation to you that's cool that you can take and share with somebody else. So that might mean you need to take notes. Cool thing is there's pens and all that good stuff. So take notes. All right. For other people. So we've been moving through the story of God. That's what we've been working on for quite a while, 20 uh, weeks now of it. And uh, we'll be in it for a good bit to go. We're going to make it all the way into the Bible, but we're taking it in chunks. But the story that we're following is of God. And, and sometimes that might seem very applicable to our lives. It might seem like we're talking about a person such as Moses or whatever. But ultimately, we want to see who God is as we go through that. So don't ever lose focus that as we're going through these um, events and stories and people, the purpose is seeing God. And because of that, we started with God before creation. We moved through the fall and how sin entered the world. Uh, and then how God has, even from the moment that sin entered the world, begun a plan of salvation. Uh, and so we've been following that all the way through. And I'm not going to recap it all except to say that at this point in time, Israel is the people that God has chosen to work through in bringing this salvation into the world. And he has delivered them from slavery in Egypt and brought them after 40 years of wandering in the desert because of their first uh, attempt to go in the promised land and the doubt in God to give it to them. They wander 40 years. Now they're back. And so they're at the promised land, and they're uh, about to cross the Jordan River, which separates uh, the uh, outside of the land from inside the land. So they're about to, about to cross that. That's where we're at today. And today we're going to look at a, a, a title called The Secret to Being Fearless, all right? The Secret to Being Fearless. A lot of people claim that uh, there's nothing to fear. You know, you always hear that when you're a kid. Nothing to fear, but fear itself. Or there's nothing to fear. All kinds of pretty ways to word that. Until you see the snake, you know what I mean? Or in my case, the shark or whatever it is, you know, that that's your fear or spiders or whatever. But I'm not talking about all of that. I'm talking about when I say fear, I'm talking about following God. All right. I'm talking about whether it's as simple as just telling somebody about your faith or the first step of faith, which is to get baptized or uh if it's something more complicated, like leading other people in their faith, making disciples, which is what our whole church is based around. And, and what we want to see happen here is we make disciples. You do. You're responsible for someone else's discipleship, not just me. Is that frightening? You know, or, or even harder things like taking the gospel into hostile places. So what's the secret to that kind of courage, to having courage in those situations? That's what we're looking at. So Joshua chapter 1, uh, I'll read a couple of verses. We'll get in here. Verse 8 says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, God speaking to Joshua here, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then 
You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Lord, um, thank you again for your word. Not for me, for all of us. Thank you for writing it down. I mean, I confess my laziness uh, with memorizing it. And uh, Lord, I, I just I'm grateful that we do, we have it. Like I'm I'm able to hold your word, like what you have to say, what you want us to know about you. I have it. You you wrote it down. So it could be no doubt what what was actually said or what you actually meant. It's, it's it's here. Thank you for trusting us with it. Thank you especially in the moment for trusting me with it because I have a microphone. But it's it's your word, Lord, not mine. I don't ever want to take it back. I want it always to be yours uh, because I need to learn from it too. I'm not up here to preach a bunch of things that I'm an authority on. You're the authority. I'm up here to just teach what your word says and what you've shown me this week. And and I pray that I learn as always alongside everyone else because you're the teacher. And I say these things in Christ's name. Amen. So uh, I got a couple of images for you. Uh, First one here, and I'm just going to read what I got. In West Africa, a man shows his daughter the Bible. A mosque is blaring the call to prayer from across the street. The roads and floors in the home are sand, and having no roof over their home, most of the light comes from the moon. Uh, image, second image here. In southern Israel, a church of Jews who followed Jesus meet in a park. They've been evicted from their home and slandered and shamed all over their town. They've lost jobs, and some have lost their homes. They have to guard the children from packs of wild dogs while they assemble in the park each week. Next image. In North Africa, man meets people in secret who bring Bibles and discipleship resources. He's been breaking the law by starting a Bible study in his home and seeking uh, and seeing a tiny church grow. And after 15 years, 15 years. He's finally filled the living room with some believers, but they have no access to Bibles. Coming back to the guy at the first who was in West Africa with his daughter, later that week, he left in a busted up old van with two other brothers to travel to another village deeper into the desert. People who had never uh, heard the story of Christ or knew anything about the Bible, but Uh, nonetheless, they live in this Muslim country where it will cost him his life simply for sharing it. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever read Jesus Freaks or Fox Book of Martyrs or any of those, uh, that describe these events, but, but they, but they, they are absolutely shaking to your soul. Like they, they, they rattle you if you read them over and over. And the question I, I myself continually ask when I read these stories is, how? Like, where does that courage come from? How do they find the courage to do that? Um, the ones that I just read over and showed you, I know them personally. I read, read them because I wanted to be careful not to say anything on a microphone that... that um, was too much. But I know these people. I took those pictures. I was there. 
Their courage is insane. Uh, but I know where they find it because Jesus is there with them and they know it. Like they know he's there. We say he's there and maybe you believe he's there, but they literally know he's there. Um, and so today I give you one sentence every time, kind of a, a, a one point sentence. If, if you pull nothing else out of everything I'm saying, the secret to being fearless is having God's presence in your life through consistent meditation on his word. All right, that's on the sheet back there. If you forget it, it's on the sheet. All right, so chapter 1, verse 1, if you don't have a Bible, you need to grab one. So verse 1 of chapter 1 says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, why is God continually pointing out that Moses is dead? Well, Moses wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. You can go back and look at this in your own time. I don't think we went into it. But Moses is not allowed to go in because of an event. You can look back and find it where he took credit for God's work by striking a rock when he was told to speak to it. And I'm not going to the whole account. But God has told Moses, you're not going into the promised land. But he takes him up onto this mountain called Mount Nebo where Moses, God personally with Moses, and let, allows Moses to see into the distance. Kind of like if you went up on South Mountain and you could see way off in the distance, except it's higher. And he could see the promised land where the people were going. Um, and uh, But this is also slightly away from where all the people are. So I got a map up here, I think, if it will show up. And you can see there... The Dead Sea is the big body of water, and just north, uh, northeast of that is Mount Nebo. Uh, just west of there, northwest of it, is Jericho. You see that? That's This is where they're crossing from, from down near Mount Nebo across to Jericho. Jerusalem would be just above Jericho to the left. If there was a dot there, there's not, but that's where it would be. Um, so Moses goes up on Mount Nebo with the Lord. The people are all encamped down in the bottom in the basin there somewhere. And uh, Moses dies. Now, Moses has already commissioned Joshua to take over personally. Uh, but uh, God shows Moses this promised land and he dies. Turn back a page, Deuteronomy 34. So you're, you're in Joshua 1, just if, if you need to, but ever look back a page, turn back a page to the last chapter of Deuteronomy 34. And it tells you this, but in verse 5. It says, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab. That's the, the region there outside, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beit Peor. Who buried him? God buried him. Very unique moment here. In fact, the only one of its kind. God buried him. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Why do you think that is? Be careful. It doesn't tell us why that is. So don't write any books. But I will say, in my evaluation of the matter, I think it is because if they found the bones, they'd worship them. That's what I think. Okay? So that's, an, that's a side story. Anyway, verse 7. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. What that tells you is Moses was not sick. Not weak, perfectly healthy, perfectly healthy people do not die. So Moses went to his death here out of obedience. 
you could say. It's a picture of Christ on the cross, the same thing. He was healthy. He was fine. Out of obedience, he went to the mountain and faced his death. Verse 9 says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, Joshua, and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. So uh, Moses, as I said, had given his authority and leadership to Joshua. But now, back in Joshua 1, God is delivering his authority and leadership to Joshua. So it's fine for Joshua to say, you're in charge of God's people, but they're God's people. So God needs to say, you're in charge of my people. And that's basically what's going on in Chapter 1 of Joshua. So imagine this guy, Moses, has been your leader your whole life. And you've come through all of these struggles and your whole life. You've just wrestled and fought and wandered in the desert and seen snakes killing people in a pole. And you've seen fire come down on a mountain and, and, and burn it. You've heard God's voice. You've seen God. You, you've built a tabernacle. You've done all this for 40 years. Everything in your whole life has been about the promised land. You've already been once, and everybody chickened out but you. And now you're back with this one man who has not only been like a father to you, but a mentor, a guide, everything. Not, he, he wasn't just Moses' leader. He was probably probably no one closer to Moses than Joshua. And now we're there. Like, now's the moment. But you're not going to go. He's not going to go. You're going to go. He's not going to go. In fact, all the weight that you've seen him bear in the past is now on you. Now you're going to be the one. And remember, and this is huge, and a lot of people trip up here, but this is huge. They are crossing the Jordan not into paradise land, into promised land. God promised them the land. God did not, and it is flowing with milk and honey. That means it's green, and it will provide. But it doesn't mean it's heaven. It doesn't mean it's the Garden of Eden automatically all over again. They're not going to get to go across the river and uh, put up their hammocks and, and you know drink uh, fruit drinks and, and sleep all day. Like it's not that's not the case. They're crossing into occupied land. Somebody's there. Matter of fact, they're staring across the river at one of the most outstanding, impressive cities that's ever existed. Of course, we don't have pictures of it, but what we know of it throughout history is there. And parts of it you can still see. Molly and I have seen it. We've been there. Jericho, these massive walls. We'll talk about this uh, in the week or so ahead. But they're looking across and they can see it. Massive building with, ma- I mean, city with massive stone walls around it, uh, and even giants. We've already talked about that. That trips you up. Go to YouTube and back up a few weeks. But uh, even giant people, not twenty-five foot people, just very large uh, fighters there. So they're not arriving in paradise to chill. This means war. What's about to happen? So, so man, we've wandered in the desert and all this. Now they're on me, and we're going to go face war. Immediately, the moment we cross the water, it's right in our face. Uh, and the symbolism of salvation here is awesome. Moses represents the law. Obviously, you ask anybody, law of Moses. Moses represents the law. Joshua, his name is the same name as Jesus. And it means salvation. Uh, so the promised land 
is accessed by salvation, not by the law. I don't think it was just random that Moses was kept from going in. Moses' purpose was to represent, I believe, in a lot of ways, the law and the separation. And it's the salvation of God that brings us into the promised land or into the land with him. And that is pictured in Joshua. It's a promised life of a believer. Think of it that way. Instead of promised land, it's a promised life of a believer. That's where we're at. In the family of God, we're in relationship with him, in his land, his kingdom, his life. However, now there is also war. Spiritual battles. Spiritual battles. Look at verse 2. We'll keep going. Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. God's telling Joshua this. You and all this people into the land that I am giving to them. To the people of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you just as I promised to Moses. Now, I saw a health and wealth pastor once. Actually, I've seen a few do this, but I saw one taking that verse and saying, that means everywhere I step, I claim it in the name of Jesus. And he was literally stomping all over the stage like this. You know, I claim this for Jesus. And if I walk into the hood and I stand there, I claim it for Jesus because everywhere the sole of my foot treads, he will give it to me. That's. That's so horrible on a lot of ways, I mean a lot of levels, but you don't even have to fight about it. You just keep reading and you realize there's a mistake. Because look what it says. Verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you just as I promised Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon. Lebanon still exists, ladies and gentlemen, still the same Lebanon. As far as the great river. Which river? Oh, the river Euphrates. There it is. All the land of the Hittites to the great sea. What sea? Mediterranean Sea. The going down of the sun shall be your territory. So, defined and specific lands. That was not some general, I can just claim everywhere I walk for the Lord. That's not the case. He was saying the land that I promised to give that has borders, that land Where you go in that land, I'm going to give it to you. Okay? He's telling them that. Um, Verse 4 says, or excuse me, verse 5 says, No man, no man, no man, mankind, woman, whatever, shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Forsake means leave behind. It means I'm, I'm not going to leave you, and I'm not going to go on without you. That's awesome. I like that translation better myself. I'm not going to leave you, and I'm not going to go on without you. Uh, and he says, be strong and courageous, for you shall, shall cause this people to inherit. What does inherit mean? Family, right? Family. That means it, it, it belongs to you by blood, in a manner of speaking. So, inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. You think God's going to break his word? I mean, think about all these certain words in here. You shall cause, they will inherit, it's theirs by blood. I swore, I will be. I mean, there's very little in here that gives room for interpretation about what God's prepared to do. 
How was God with Moses? Face to face, right? It says he literally sat with him and spoke as a friend speaks to a friend. The picture is they sit down in a couple of chairs across from each other and chat. What did that look like? I don't even know. I'm not trying to figure that out. But God manifested in some way. Was he, was he Jesus or, or a man beforehand sitting there or an angelic presence or what? I don't know. But it says face-to-face as a man talks to his friend. And just in that way, God will be uh, with Joshua the same way. The difference is it's not frequently detailed with Joshua like it was with Moses. So does that mean it's somehow less with Joshua? That Moses had somehow had more of God's presence than Joshua did just because it's not mentioned all the time? No. It means it's unnecessary to redetail it. The same way he did it with Moses is now the way he's doing it with Joshua. Enough said. Let's get on with it. He doesn't have to redetail it all. It's enough to say, just as I was, so I will be. The same is true for us. The same is true for us. Just as Jesus was with his disciples, so he is with us. Just as the Holy Spirit poured himself into his disciples, so he does with us. You know, oh, well, that book's 2,000 years old. Oh, well, that was written way back when. Or why doesn't God do miracles now? Or how come this doesn't happen now? He doesn't need to. It's been defined. It's been explained. It's been shown. He didn't have to talk about it daily all the time. That's so in the same way that he was with them, he is with us. Same thing. All right? So you got an awesome picture here, by the way, of God-centered leadership. Above all challenges, basically, you will inherit, you will do these things above all challenges because you're standing on God's promise. I promised, I swore, and you know that because you know his word, and you're leading people according to his plan. This is my plan. Look, if you do that, you're unstoppable. Just think about that a minute. If you do that, you're unstoppable. If you're standing on God's promises... According to his word and leading people according to his plan, you can't be stopped. Unless God's a liar. Uh, Verse 7, chapter 1, verse 7. Only, or you could say however or nevertheless, bearing that in mind, be strong and very courageous. Be careful. Be careful. To do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success. Uh, Success there is not money. It's not riches. It's not wealth. It literally means wisdom or acting wisely. That you may act wisely or have wisdom and understanding wherever you go. So there's a prescription here. I don't know about y'all. I was terrible at math, but there's a math problem here. The good thing about math is it always adds up, right? So you have a prescription or math problem. Prescription, take three of these a day and you'll be happy, healthy, and whatever. Uh, math problem, A plus B equals C, if A and B are fully accurate. So he's literally telling you here, do this and you will have wisdom, good success, wherever you go. In his law, God says, Meditate on his law at all times. 
All right, look back at Deuteronomy chapter 6. It'll be up there in in verse 4. If you were to flip back a book and a handful of pages, this is back into the law that God just told Joshua on his law, meditate day and night. Well, this is in his law. Okay, this would be something that Joshua would meditate on day and night. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And look at this. These words... That I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Past the promise like you sung earlier. Teach them diligently to your children. Why diligently? Kids don't want to learn and we're too lazy to teach. So diligently you have to commit. Diligently teach them to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit down and when you rise up. That, and what else are you doing besides sleeping? You're sitting down and you're rising up. That means you're talking about them how often? All the time. All the time. Bind them as a sign on your hand and they'll be as frontless between your eyes. Uh, there's different interpretations of that, but you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I think the point he's coming to is put it before you everywhere. Everywhere. Everything you touch, everything you look at, everything you think about, everything you talk about on the front of your house, on the inside of your house, everywhere, everybody who comes over to your house, it's everywhere, everywhere. Now, the very first chapter after the law, so the law is Genesis, Exodus, Lucas, Numbers, Deuteronomy, five books, first five books. The very first chapter after those five books, very first one says meditate on it the same way meditate on it the same way look at verse 8 this book of the law torah the reason it's calling a book is because they put the word torah together to mean all five of those so when he's saying book he's talking about that collection of five writings shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night. Now, modern day meditation and Eastern meditation is to attempt to empty your mind of all things. Biblical meditation is to chew on it. Uh, again, the picture here is of a cow that has multiple stomachs. I don't know if y'all know that, but they eat food into one stomach and then they, I know it's kind of gross, but that's what it is. They throw it up and they chew on it a little while and they swallow it in another stomach, throw it back in their mouth, chew on it some more, swallow it in another stomach. Uh, until it ultimately passes. That's the picture here. Bring it back up and chew on it. Bring it back up and chew on it. Bring it back up and chew on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all this written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Again, that's not money. That means you will advance. You'll cut through. You'll succeed. That's what those words mean. You'll advance, you'll cut through, you'll succeed. If he's about to face war, cutting through sounds like a good thing. Advancing sounds like a good thing. It's not about money. It's about being successful at the war he's about to face. And then you will have good success. Again, same word of understanding or wisdom or you'll act wisely. Uh, None of this is about financial resources whatsoever. Look at how much of this talk is about what Joshua is doing for himself. It's not about works-based salvation here, though, because Joshua's already, he's already there. God's already chosen. God's already put him in charge. God's already brought him to the promised land. It's not about that. Uh, That thing's already happened. This is about knowing God's will and being strong 
and faithful and fearless to do it. That's what's being talked about here. But clearly it's not something that God is going to just make happen. And that's where we get, unfortunately, kind of lazy. We assume that, I'll get the strength when I need it. Like the Holy Spirit will cover me whenever I get in that situation and give me the power. We're so certain that if we just pray, God just going to answer it and make us that way. And then if he doesn't, we wonder why not. Or we start doubting him like, man, is his word really true? Did he really say that? Is he really going to be that way? Is that really the way it is? But that's because of two things, really. One, and I mean we, one, we're lazy. We just are. We don't take his word seriously for what it actually is. It's a book on the table back there. We got stacks of them, tons of them. It's just a book, right? And we get lazy about it. I'm just reading it, just reading through it. It's just a book. And then the second thing is the secret to doing God's will is knowing God's word inside and out. If you want to do what God wants you to do, you better know what God wants you to do. Well, how do you know? Well, you read his word inside and out. That means memorizing it and talking about it. Memorizing it and talking about it. He's saying it as plain as he can. So you want to be fearless. You want to be that strong person. You want that courage. How much of God's word you got memorized? Believe me, I'm not throwing stones. We're all in the same boat on just at different levels, I think. How much of it do you have memorized? Ah, oh, well, I can't memorize scripture, man. My brain's fried. Listen, I trafficked drugs for 12 years. I hear what you're saying. Uh, it's not true. It's a lie. 66 books. 66 books. The ESV translation I use has just over 1,000 pages. There's 31,102 verses. 757,439 words in my ESV. How many of those words do you have memorized? How many of those words have you memorized so that you can meditate on them day and night? You don't have to stop and find your phone and google or whatever like you can meditate on those words day and night precise words not just an idea of what it means exactly what he said precise words it means memorize you want some incentive to do it i I can give you some again remember 40 different authors 66 different books three different continents three different languages across 1600 years of time the book is a miracle in your hand you want proof is the word of god my goodness the highest selling book of of all time. The number is out of print. It's been translated into more than 2,200 different languages. The next closest book is Pilgrim's Progress at like 200 languages, which is also a Christian book. More than 2,200 languages. You think there's not something true in this book? The authors are sinful. What kind of God uses sinful people to talk about himself? The witnesses of the greatest moment in the Bible, his resurrection, were women. Nobody takes women's word, I mean, in this time anyway. The authors who testified to what's in this book, Old Testament and New Testament, suffered and died for what they claimed. Not all, but the vast majority. You know, and ever since then, people have bled to death to get it into your hands. I always think about this book with a bloody handprint on it. If I didn't think it was gross, I would put one on it. Um, 
People have bled to put it in your hands. Why would people do that? It's the truth. It's, it's the truth. It's a real. It's real. If you don't like, if, if it bores you, find something in there that fascinates you. Believe me, there's plenty in there. Find something that fascinates you. Spend time reading and meditating on that. Daniel blew my mind. If you've not read Daniel, read it. You'd probably be like, well, I can't understand it. Then get into a Bible study that you trust and understand it. One of the chapters of Daniel is so detailed about the future, which is past for us, so we can verify that it occurred. It's so detailed that it nearly scared me. For about two weeks, I mean, just like shook after I read it, walking around kind of freaked out, like, I know it's real, but it's real. Like, it's real, real. You know, he he is real, real. The book you're holding is real, guys. Psalm 56, verse 10. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Psalm 118.5, out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hebrews 13, verse 5, he has said, skipping down towards the bottom, he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6, so we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Joshua wouldn't have had Hebrews or even those Psalms because they hadn't been written yet. But in the books of Moses, those first five books, where could he have found that kind of courage to face what was in front of him? Well, Genesis, God created everything. He was in the beginning. We could go through it all. Exodus, the Red Sea, the plagues. He rescued with great power. Leviticus, he provided a sacrifice for sins. Uh, Numbers, he's... God, even over witchcraft, we talked about it last week. God, even over powerful witchcraft, Deuteronomy, he grants power and victory over nations and even giants. All things that he lived through for the most part, but he could go back and look at those things. And we have those same books today. The same source that Joshua used for meditation to find strength and courage, you have the same thing. Every time we talk about Joshua, oh, be strong and courageous, Joshua. It's just, he gave him the same thing he gave you. God didn't give Joshua anything that he didn't give you. The same five books. What's the result of meditating and talking about God daily? How does that math problem equal being fearless? All right, that's the real question. Well, it's because he is with you then wherever you go. Look at the last verse. We're done here. Look at verse 9. Have I not commanded you? In other words, he's saying, Didn't, isn't it me that told you this? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So you could say it like this. Knowing God's word gives me strength to blank. Plant a church. I don't know. Make disciples. Whatever it is in your life that you're working with. Knowing God's word gives me strength to blank. And his presence gives me the courage to blank. Jesus said it the same way for his disciples. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go therefore into all the world. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, what? I am 
with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Same thing. Go into spiritual darkness. Face the spiritual battles. Face the spiritual wars. Teach those you rescue all that I've commanded you and know that I'm with you always. So the secret to being fearless, again, having God's presence in your life through consistent meditation on his word. So what do you do? Well, getting the word seems pretty obvious <laughs> to begin with. Get, get in his word. Make your conversations about the word. Talk about it all. Well, if you don't want to talk about that, we'll find out what happens. You might be surprised. And if they go on, are you really wasting time? You know, make your conversations about his word. Center your thoughts on his word. Learn to love him more through his word. Memorize his word. Start with something easy, small, whatever you want. Get some accountability to help you do it. And then you can anticipate having the strength to fearlessly face whatever comes, knowing that you're going to have success, not riches, not wealth, not, not that kind of glory, but that you're going to have wisdom and God's presence with you. That should give you great courage. So stand up with me and uh, let's close out of here. And, and um, I always ask you to close your eyes for a moment just to kind of reflect um, on what I just said and uh, what God's word has said. Now, I do the same right alongside you. Um, and I sit here and I think about this all the time. And, and it would be foolish for us not to point out the fact that um, all of God's word points to Christ. That Joshua's name himself is aligned with the name Yeshua, Jesus. That Joshua led his people uh, into salvation with great courage and great strength because he knew God's word. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the word of God, that Jesus provides salvation for all those who put their faith in him. That's what the cross is about. Facing death, the greatest enemy, the one we'll never be able to defeat. Uh, facing it on our behalf, fighting that battle, rising from the grave to defeat death. Uh, that's the gospel. The question is only do you believe it? Do you believe? Do you have the courage to put your faith in him? Do you trust that to be true? If you do, you tell him. You simply admit that you know that there's no power in you strong enough. You know that sin in you has separated you from the Lord, but what you need is him most. You tell him however you want. And then you tell us because we want to pray with you. And we want to walk that out with you as we make disciples together. Lord, you're awesome. I thank you again for your word. It is amazing. I pray, Lord, that you continue to strengthen us to be courageous, to be strong. But because we know you're walking alongside us and we know you're walking alongside us because we meditate on your word day and night. Uh, I, I pray that we are all able to commit to doing that in our lives. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen.